Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. The Strike Zone Podcast is back. Episode number seven. And this week, we're talking everything trade deadline. I'm going to give you four teams, and I'm going to fix their issues here at the deadline. One move that four contenders can make in order to bolster their chances of getting to and potentially winning a World Series. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the names that you need to remember for your favorite team if we don't touch on your team with the four contenders we're going to mention. This is the Trade Deadline Special. This is the Strike Zone Podcast. And as always, it's the 104.5 The Zone Digital Network. This is the Strike Zone Podcast. Hit well out towards right field. This one climbing at altitude. This one is gone. With news and notes from around Major League Baseball. Myers drives one in the air down the line and left. It's got a chance. Gone. Rounding the bases with the hottest topics from all 30 teams. Swung on, drilled to deep right. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a three-run home run for the Santino. And here's your host, Will Bowling. Happy weekend to you. Welcome into the Strike Zone. Wherever you're listening today, we're thankful you decided to join us for our weekly baseball conversation here at 104.5 The Zone. Maybe driving home from work on a Friday afternoon. If so, congrats on making it through the workday. Maybe on a Saturday afternoon, a Saturday morning, getting ready for your favorite club's weekend series. There's a lot of big ones this week. Lots of big-time series across Major League Baseball. This is going to be a good spot on this episode for trade deadline conversations. We're going to go through four teams, as I mentioned in our open, in our heart-of-the-order topic, and we're going to fix them a little bit. One move that I think four teams can make in order to improve their chances of getting to a World Series. And these are four teams that I think are four of the best seven or eight teams in baseball that have broken away. But as always, I'm your host, Will Bowling, here on the Strike Zone podcast, here for 1045thezone.com. You can find us on Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Odds are, if you're listening to us right now, you've found us at one of those spots. Go ahead and tell your friends. Got a baseball friend. Maybe they're out of town. Maybe they are not in on baseball. It's time. Trade deadline time is going to be really fun this year. Because as I mentioned on last week's show, the waiver deadline is a thing of the past. So we've got a true trade deadline next Wednesday at 4 p.m. And it's going to be an exciting one. So if you're new here to the Strike Zone, tell you how we operate a little bit. We do like a baseball game. We're going to change things up just a little bit today. We're going to have the opener, and our heart of the order is going to go the rest of the six innings. Our heart of the order is going to finish it up for our big topic today, which are fixing four contending teams. But as always, we'll start things off with the opener. A couple quick topics off the top in Major League Baseball. The dominoes 
are ready to fall. Finally, time for a historic trade deadline and one that I think is going to be a lot of fun. But that being said, the fun has not been had yet. No really big moves so far in Major League Baseball as teams await that one big decision in the end of July that could make or break their team. Lots of buyers, not a lot of sellers. As in the National League, a lot of teams, you think of the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Cincinnati Reds, the San Diego Padres, and the biggest one, the San Francisco Giants, have found themselves in limbo. Probably the worst place to be in baseball. These teams have found themselves between having a shot at the wild card where a bunch of teams are right in the mix right now for a wild card spot. And then you've also got a lot of really, really good teams that have run away like the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Braves, the Nationals, the Cubs and Cardinals. Now we'll talk about the Cardinals here in a little bit, but this is an interesting year for baseball because I think Major League Baseball is probably a little upset that the one year there is so much parity in the National League, well, it's the year they got rid of the waiver trade deadline. So the dominoes haven't fallen yet, but they're going to. Anthony Kastrovitz writes at MLB.com that these deadlines that are ready to fall, and I want to run through four topics here in our opener conversation about who could be moved and when. And kind of the first thing to get onto here is even though the dominoes haven't fallen yet, when they do, they're going to quickly start to tumble. National League postseason right now is a huge cluster of a lot of teams. And recent surges from the Indians and the A's, Kastrovitz writes, is going to also complicate the American League alignment. Two really interesting divisions in the NL, the Central and the East. So first and foremost, off the top today, the NL East is going to get really interesting. After a big loss on Thursday, the Nationals missed an opportunity to lower their deficit between them and the Braves to three and a half games. Instead, it's still four and a half. But everybody in the NL East needs the same thing, bullpen help. And the Nationals and Braves are going to play Monday through Wednesday next week. And they're going to start their final game of that series after the trade deadline. So those are two teams that are going to look probably pretty different between now and when Atlanta visits Nationals Park. Nats are looking up at Atlanta in the standings. They get the mighty Dodgers this weekend. And general manager Mike Rizzo is not one to sit around in the market, according to Kastrovitz and MLB.com. And with the Phillies playing better baseball, that might be another team that could buy in. We could have three teams buying into the race in the National League East. Second point off the top here, Marcus Stroman's going to be on the move. I think he'll be moved before Monday. Seven good innings, lowering his ERA to 2.96 late earlier this week. His next start is scheduled for Monday. It is not near in Toronto's best interest to let him pitch again in a Blue Jays uniform. And I think he is a really enticing prospect for the New York Yankees, one of the teams we're going to discuss here in our heart of the order. Stroman has got a really good ground ball rate, 56%, which is the second best in Major League Baseball Kastrovitz writes that the Yankees, Brewers, Astros, Twins, Phillies, and Braves all make a lot of sense for the fiery, short, short-tempered and short, really, pitcher from Duke University and now the Toronto Blue Jays. He's not eligible for free agency until 2020. 
So he's got the extra year of control that's going to make young nucleus teams really interested. I think that's where the Twins fall in, the Braves potentially, but the New York Yankees, I think, are the best fit for him, and we'll get into why in just a few minutes. The Milwaukee Brewers, third part of our opener here, have decided that they can't wait any longer for pitching help, according to Kastrovitz. Both Brandon Woodruff and Julius Chassin have gone to the injured list with oblique injuries in just this week. And a lot of late July and August off days, including yesterday, have really helped them manage the Woodruff absence. But they can't wait much longer. And Chassin with a 5.79 ERA, well, they need to upgrade on him anyway. So the Milwaukee Brewers now, another team in limbo, between buying and selling, look to be to getting, look to be favorites to get in on the starting pitching market. And that's the theme of today's show and really of the whole Major League Baseball trade deadline is the fact that hitters are not really up for sale. This is a trade deadline pitcher heaven. Hitters are not going anywhere. So the Giants, who have won 16 of 20, can't believe that, have apparently decided to sell. Uh, Kastrovitz Rice, it's no industry secret, secret that they have the option of commanding the rental market with Madison Bumgarner, the veteran starter who's got a couple of rings, and Will Smith, an Atlanta native who we discussed last week for the Atlanta Braves on our Braves special. Smith, who has been one of the lights-out closers this season. But there's lots of arms that could move from that Giants bullpen. We'll get to more of on that here in our heart of the order as well. Giants have turned their year around. They're over 500 again. And MLB.com executive reporter Mark Feinsend reported Thursday that they might be buying instead of selling. Well, right now, it's a three-and-a-half game deficit between themselves and a wild-card spot. And I think they clearly need to sell instead of buying. At least one of their pieces that's a rental. Because who knows if Bumgarner wants to stay and work for a different manager after Bruce Boshi's retirement following the 2019 season. And here's why I think they sell. You're not going to beat Max Scherzer in a wild card game. I'm sorry. And that's assuming that the Braves fend off the Nationals for the NL East, which I think is still probable, although completely up in the air now. I don't think a lot of teams want to buy into a wild card game right now. And here's my issue, my probably my biggest issue with all of Major League Baseball. The wild card series being a one-game playoff instead of a three-game series, let's hold back the game. I, I think it, it would be a huge asset to Major League Baseball. Go ahead and make the wild card series a three-game series instead of one game. And you're not only going to get a more entertaining series, you're also protecting the integrity of the game, which, you know, let's face it, that's kind of on the back burner for Major League Baseball behind making money and trying to rope in new fans. And I think that having a three-game series after 162 games does a lot more for the integrity of the game and rewarding teams for getting there than one game does. But that's beside the point. Just in terms of the deadline, more teams will buy in for a three-game series and not just one. Make more teams buy in instead of selling. If you get more buyers than sellers, 
that's a good thing for Major League Baseball because the deals are going to get bigger. The buzz around the deadline is going to get better. And better teams are going to be playing. More games, too. I think it's a no-brainer. So, Bumgarner, he might be off the market, might be on the market. One alternative for clubs seeking starting pitching, maybe Rangers left-hander Mike Miner, a former Atlanta Brave who could be going back home. Miner, a former Vanderbilt pitcher, has been excellent this year. And Kashevins writes that he could be on the move from the Texas Rangers. So lots to think about, lots to look at there. But now we're going to go into the heart of the order. If you're a Dodgers fan, a Yankees fan, a Cubs fan, and a Nationals fan, you've come to the right place. I'm your new general manager. We're going to fix your team today here on the Strike Zone. The Los Angeles Dodgers, world beaters. Really hard to find a weakness in that Dodgers ball club. There's been a couple, though, recently. Dodgers swept in a two-game series by their crosstown rival Angels. A.J. Pollock had a big three-run shot in their last win, a 9-0 victory Sunday over the Marlins. All-time saves leader with 652, five World Series rings and a fly ball to right field. Well hit on its way, and Pollock with a three-run home run. His sixth of the year. And the Dodgers now lead by a robust nine to nothing. But that was the last time they were in the wind column. Hasn't really been one issue for them when they have lost. But I want to point out one that some scouts are talking about. Kenley Jansen has not been the Kenley Jansen of late. He's oddly become a weakness for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the theme you're going to hear in these four teams that we're going to fix Everybody needs bullpen help. Thomas Harding writes on MLB.com earlier this week that they need bullpen help, according to an AL scout. Preferably someone with experience as a closer if Kenley Jansen were to go down. And they might need a catcher, too, according to an AL scout quoted by Thomas Harding of MLB.com. A National League scout anonymously says that their closer situation is tenuous. But who thought we'd be saying that, he adds. Now, Jansen doesn't really have a a glaring difference between his numbers from last year when he earned 38 saves. Last year, though, the the one big difference I saw looking at Fangraphs.com, an excellent resource for advanced statistics and numbers on pitchers and hitters alike, last year he was leaving 82% of runners on base. This year he's got a career-low clip of leaving 72% of runners on base. So, my issue with Jansen is he he gets into these high-pressure spots in the ninth inning, and he hasn't been the same pitcher. Hasn't been able to command his pitches the same way and get out of innings from the stretch working against tough opposition. AL Scout tells MLB.com that they thought that Will Smith or Sam Dyson from the Giants. Ooh, can you imagine the Giants and Dodgers trading together? Would be a good pickup potentially since the Giants have some solid bullpen pieces to poach. I don't know if San Francisco is willing to trade with L.A. If I'm the Giants, I'm certainly not. So here's my move for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Jake Diekman. A left-handed reliever from the Kansas City Royals. 
or Andrew Chaffin, reliever from the Arizona Diamondbacks. First on Diekman, very low walk rate. Easily gets out of pressure. Low submarining sidearm delivery as a lefty. And has a little bit of closer experience. Not much, but his sidearm delivery makes him a matchup nightmare for lefties despite the ERA near five. Chaffin, on the other hand, is striking out hitters at an incredible rate. 11 strikeouts per nine innings for him. He is an ace in the eighth inning to lead into Jansen or could pick up the pieces if Jansen's leash gets shorter. So I think Chaffin's probably my pick here for the Dodgers because you look at the closers that are under control, and I don't know if the Dodgers have the prospect capital to make a move for a second closer like a Ken Giles or a Will Smith. I think right now, if you're the Dodgers, you've got the incredible lineup that they have. I think it doesn't take a monumental blockbuster move in order for them to distance themselves even further in the National League and win a World Series. You look at the rotation. Ryu is good. Kershaw is good. Walker Bueller is great. Got some injury issues with Ross Stripling, but he's been good. It's an embarrassment of riches in L.A. right now. The Dodgers don't strike out very much. Only five teams have a better strikeout rate than them at the plate. Their lineup leads baseball with 24 wins above replacement. Now, they've got a couple of guys on their bench, like a Will Smith and Austin Barnes, who might be enticing to teams that want major league talent right now. They've got it. Them and the Cubs, who we'll talk about in a minute, have both got talent that is ready to play at the major league level right now. And that's a big asset to teams like the Giants, who are ready to compete in 2019 or 2020. You know, a, a lot of teams right now are in that limbo and are not quite willing to give up a lot as a seller because they still want to win next year. I think the Giants are in that, that boat. You look at maybe a Michael Lorenzen, another bullpen arm from the Cincinnati Reds. That's another one that could be interesting with the Reds being in that limbo spot of maybe wanting to make a run next season. But Diekman or Chaffin, I think that's your move for the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Bronx Bombers, New York Yankees are up next. The starting pitching has been horrible. Here's Aaron Boone the other night after a rough outing for Masahiro Tanaka. I thought just a lot of mistakes in the heart of the plate. You know, didn't really have a split, and his and his even his fastball slider combination that's been so good for him wasn't wasn't as crisp and, and sharp. Um, you know, after the first inning, he settled in, looked like he had a chance to to maybe get get it going a little bit and get through the middle innings. Um, but we'll just have to have to look and 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 see what what was going on there. Another rough outing for Tanaka. Another really rough night. For the Yankees on the mound. If you're a Yankees fan, you certainly know it. The well-documented struggles for New York on the hill. And if you're matching up with a team like the Dodgers or the Washington Nationals who are so hot right now in a World Series, you can't counter a Hyunjin Ryu or a Clayton Kershaw with the struggling Masahiro Tanaka or a, a James Paxton. Even C.C. Sabathia, too, although he's in a retirement season, certainly not what he once was. Tanaka surrendering 12 runs in that lopsided loss 
to the Boston Red Sox on Thursday. Entering the rivalry weekend with a taxed bullpen, Brian Hawk writes on MLB.com that his assignment was pretty clear to soak up as many outs as possible, saving the staff for the next few days. Well, instead he got a 19-3 loss and a clear indicator that the Yankees need starting pitching. Now, going into this big weekend series with the Red Sox, shortstop Didi Gregorius claimed that he would like to bury the Red Sox this weekend based on their 11-game lead heading into the weekend. Well, Didi, not the best start. But you can't blame him. Every starter in the Yankees' rotation has allowed at least six runs over the last five games. That's 38 hits and 40 runs, 36 of them earned, over 17 and two-thirds innings, a whopping 18.34 ERA. Now, Boone says it's been one hiccup for every one of those guys. He doesn't see this as a big issue. Says that it's come in succession makes it difficult. We've got to dig in and see where we can make improvements and expect the next time out each guy will be sharp. So let's address why the Yankees are giving up so many runs. They've got the 17th best rotation ERA in baseball at 4.64. That's right ahead of the Red Sox, who are 18th. But here's their problem, and I know they're playing in Yankee Stadium, and I know that this is inflated because of the band box they play in. But hear me out. 1.84 home runs per nine innings. That's the second highest rate in baseball, right behind the Baltimore Orioles. Now, if you're a contending team, the last thing you want to do right now is be compared to the Orioles in any way. So here's the need I've got for the New York Yankees. It's pretty specific. It's pretty easy. Ground ball pitching. Marcus Stroman. Yankees play in a band box. They're giving up too many home runs. Enter Stroman, who is elite at getting ground balls. As I said before, 56.3% of his pitches or uh, of his at-bats result in a ground ball. A very strong number. It's the second best in all of Major League Baseball. My other pick for the Yankees, Sam Dyson. San Francisco Giants reliever who has a 55.6% ground ball rate. A very strong number for a relief pitcher. If you have Dyson in the seventh inning, Adam Odovino in the eighth inning, and Araldis Chapman in the ninth, good luck. Dyson only has given up a home run in Oh, here's his home run rate, 0.55 per nine innings. So he can keep the ball on the ground for the Yankees defensively and don't let the bullpen's troubles be exacerbated by the really small and short fence at a Yankee stadium. Now, Stroman's extra year of control makes this tough. I mentioned earlier that he's under contract through 2020. So New York will certainly have to part with one of their three top 30 prospects in order to make this move happen. But I'm telling you what, Stroman is the answer for a Yankees ball club that has done nothing to keep the ball out of the air in Yankee Stadium. The best way you counter that ballpark, get a guy who can keep the ball on the ground, and that is going to be Marcus Stroman. So up to the friendly confines, the Chicago Cubs, a big series for them this weekend against the Milwaukee Brewers. Here's Chris Bryant 
talking about what a big week this is for the Chicago Ball Club. Obviously, the mindset you have as a player is that the next game is the most important game. Uh, but I think this could be a week where that kind of defines our season. I think, you know, playing the Brewers, playing the Cardinals, trade deadline, everybody's thinking we're going to make moves and stuff like that. So I think we might look back on this week at the end of the season and this will tell us a lot about where we are at the end of the year. And that sound courtesy of Mark Gonzalez on Twitter. So as the deadline nears, the NL Central is going to be a really fun division to watch. Going into this weekend series with the Brewers, it's the Cardinals and the Cubs tied atop the NL Central. The Brewers aren't out of it. The Reds and Pirates are. But one NL scout says the Cubs could use a left-handed reliever better than just a matchup type. Mentioned in an article written by Adam Barry of MLB.com. Another scout tells Barry that it could be a right-handed reliever. Here's my move. Shane Green from the Detroit Tigers or Will Smith from the San Francisco Giants. And here's why. I think Will Smith is the guy here for the Chicago Cubs. Cubs have some of the best MLB-ready assets available. There are a lot of teams in limbo between buying and selling, as I mentioned earlier. And the Cubs have sitting in the wings Ian Happ and Addison Russell. Two guys that can help them make a deal happen with a team that is ready to compete and succeed in the next year or two. So, I think you probably part with Addison Russell plus a prospect and maybe one more mid-level prospect for Will Smith from the San Francisco Giants. Now, they could really get daring and try to buy Kirby Yates from the Padres. Then you'd have two closers. But I, I don't think that's necessary for them, given how good Craig Kimbrell's been. That would cost them too much prospect capital. So that's why I'm not suggesting a huge move for a pitcher. I think the Cubs can just tinker a little bit here and maybe find a solution with an eighth-inning guy to get it to Kimbrell, who's been so good. Now, according to Jordan Bastion of MLB.com, the Cubs will call up Ian Happ with six days to the trade deadline. The latest layer to the approach for the co-leaders will be having him join the fold off the bench. MLB.com confirmed that story on Thursday that Cubs will recall Happ ahead of this key series with the Brewers. The NL Central is so tight the Cubs can't afford to, to just sit pat. I think they'd be well served to sign a second reliever to shore up the back end of the bullpen because they don't have the horses in that system. And they're not going to give up Nico Horner down in A Tennessee right now in order to make a move happen. I think the Cubs have learned their lesson, too, with dealing Glaber Torres and Eloy Jimenez and especially Dylan Cease, a young pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, who's going to be fantastic. Uh, but Happ has spent the whole year in Milwaukee. And he's been awfully good. 348 average in his last 19 games. At the very least, he'll function like a trade deadline acquisition himself. I think he's the missing piece at second base and off the bench for the Chicago Cubs. But my thing with the Cubs is they're not going to keep him, Addison Russell, and Robel Garcia another young kid who's been electric since joining Chicago earlier this month. I think the Giants are the perfect trade partner for Chicago. Of course, literally, as I was typing this, this is 
inside how this show is made. Sitting in our green room here, 104.5 The Zone, getting ready to, to record this show. Sitting there eating my, my lunch. And the Cubs announced a trade with the Giants for lefty Derek Holland, who's not exactly a, a huge piece to trade for, but uh, certainly a good one. I think the Cubs go all in for Smith. They get the eighth inning guy. They get the guy who can split time with Kimbrell because I still think Craig Kimbrell is, is a big unknown for the Cubs based on the way he pitched last year in the postseason and also the amount of time it took for him to find a major league ball club this year. Well, let's see. The Giants want to be good next year. Uh, I think that that's a team that is a couple of pieces away from really competing based on how well they've played over the past month. They want a major league ready guy like an Ian Happ or a Robel Garcia or an Addison Russell. I think the Cubs would be good trade partners for him. So the hottest team in baseball, the Washington Nationals. Crazy, right? Just how good they've gotten. But things were not so good for them on Thursday. They almost trimmed the National League East lead for the Atlanta Braves down to three and a half games. But the Colorado Rockies had other plans. And that is in the air, deep left center field. Robles trying to outrun the baseball. Cannot, it's gone! It snuck over the wall. Ian Desmond comes back to Washington. And a ninth inning home run has tied it up. Big day for the Colorado Rockies. Big day in a worse way for the Washington Nationals. That was Ian Desmond, courtesy of the Colorado Rockies television network, giving the Rockies a huge win at Nationals Park on Thursday night against 42-year-old pitcher Fernando Rodney, who made his third appearance in two days. Granted, the Nationals swept a doubleheader on Wednesday with the Rockies. And he was considered Dave Martinez's best option out of the bullpen with regular closer Sean Doolittle out and out of commission. The bullpen remains the story for the Washington Nationals with the deadline just a couple of days away. Rodney gave up that home run to Ian Desmond on a slider and gave the Rockies the lead on a softly hit ground ball that could have been a double play. His velocity wasn't down, but certainly he doesn't have the stuff of a Ken Giles from Toronto or a Kirby Yates from San Diego. So Rodney looked okay, but, well, his okay is a lot of guys bad. He's 42 years old, and he doesn't need to be closing games for a contending team. The Nationals have the fourth worst farm system in baseball, according to Bleacher Report, so they can't break the bank either. And according to a report from John Morosi of MLB.com, a few hours ago here on a Friday, Alex Colomb, the White Sox closer, might be the pick for the Nationals. Colomb's having a great year at the back end of Chicago's bullpen. He's got a 3-1 and record with a 2.3 ERA and 21 saves. Washington remains in desperate need of another high-end reliever and a quality left-handed pitcher. According to a report from Josh Luckenbaugh of, MLB, of NBC Sports Washington, but for me, Cologne isn't the right move. You look at his batting average on balls in play. So this is the batting average of the, of the balls that are hit and, and not swings and misses. So if you have got a really high batting average of balls in play, if you've never heard of this stat before, you're getting really lucky. Every time you hit the ball, it's not going at somebody. If you're really low, it's different. His is insanely low 
which means the pitcher is getting really lucky. A 153 batting average on balls in play, which is down, and this is crazy, from 291 a year ago. So he might not just be getting lucky. He's, he's really getting an alarmingly low number. And normally I wouldn't read too much into that, but going from 291, the average on balls in play, to 153 in a year, that is a substantial difference. So here's my move for the Nationals. Two relievers to look at. Sam Dyson of the San Francisco Giants is my first pick, and Chris Martin of the Texas Rangers is my second. I don't think one move is going to be enough. I think they might need both. Now, the Nationals have had the worst bullpen ERA in baseball for some time. That, that number's gotten a little bit better now. And they do have a better bullpen ERA since June 1st at 4.35. But here's their issue. They're still walking a lot of guys. Four walks per nine innings for the Washington Nationals. Dyson doesn't walk a lot of guys. He's got a good walks per nine inning rate. And Martin is allowing less than one single walk per nine innings, which is an incredible number that you don't see anywhere. So both of these guys could be options for the Nationals. But they got to make these moves soon because the Atlanta Braves have the exact same issue. The Braves are walking a ton of guys out of the bullpen. So that's why I think the Nationals need to be the first team to make that move in the NL East because if they don't, the Braves will. And it was reported today that the Braves are also looking at Diekman from the Kansas City Royals. So... There's four teams for our seventh episode of the Strike Zone podcast who could use some changes. If you're listening to this out there in the scouting departments of any of these teams, I am open to interview for a general manager's job. I would love to come talk to you. (laughs) No, but in all seriousness, I hope you guys did enjoy our trade deadline special today. We'll recap all the big moves next week, a Thursday episode next week on the eighth edition of the Strike Zone podcast. The deadline will go on Wednesday, and we'll talk about those big changes next Thursday. As always, you'll want to stay tuned with us on 1045thezone.com. Head to 1045thezone.com slash podcasts to find these shows. And also find us, as we mentioned earlier, on all of our digital platforms, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you're finding us. Hope you're enjoying these games and this podcast this weekend as the trade deadline gets closer and closer.